It's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> jingle bells, jingle bells. It's streaming podcast day. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and happy Wednesday. My name is Steph. And I'm Lex. And this is Chasing Childhood, a weekly podcast where we talk about our childhood favorite movies and video games and see if they still hold up as adults. Welcome to episode 12. But more importantly, welcome to the first episode after Thanksgiving. You know what that means. It's here, folks. This week's episode is the start of the first ever amazingly nostalgic Chasing Childhood Christmas movie countdown. We can't wait any longer, so let's get into it. So for the first episode of our Christmas countdown, we have a double feature. The first film we will be reviewing is Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And the second film will be The Year Without a Santa Claus. And like I mentioned before, we can't wait. So Santa Claus is Coming to Town is a 1970s stop-motion Christmas television special and was produced by Rankin Bass. The special was originally telecast December 14, 1970 by ABC and continues to air every year on Freeform. A plot summary for this timeless Christmas special can be found on IMDb, written by Kathy Lee. The mailman decides to answer some of the most common questions about Santa Claus and tells us about a small baby named Chris who was left on the doorstep of the Kringle family toy makers. When Chris grows up, he wants to deliver toys to the children of Sombertown, but Sombertown's chief magistrate, Burgermeister, is too mean to let that happen. And to make things worse, there's an evil wizard named Winter who lives between the Kringles and Sombertown, but Chris won't let anything stop him from delivering his toys. All right, Lex, let's jump into our fun facts. Oh, we can't wait. So the first fun fact we have is that Santa Claus is Coming to Town is originally based on a song by the same name. The song was first performed by Eddie Cantor in November 1934 on his radio show. It was such a hit that people kept requesting it, and eventually it turned into a movie. That's so crazy. It's such an iconic song, too. I was like, how did it start on a radio show? It's just insane to me to think that this literally started with a random song on the radio. For real. Okay, so my first fun fact is that in the shooting script, the penguin's name was Topper, and that was his name in the original broadcast. In some later broadcast versions, the penguin's name was changed to Waddles for unknown reasons. (laughs) Current broadcasts and all home video releases have reverted back to the name Topper. (laughs) Topper is so much better of a name. It's so much better. I don't know who made that decision, what studio exec was like, this is more kid-friendly, but I hate them. Right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. For the next one, we have Burgermeister is the English form of various terms in or derived from Germanic languages for the chief magistrate or executive of a city or town. In English, it literally translates to mayor. Oh, that makes sense. 
That makes absolute sense. Yeah. They got very original with his name. Yeah. They were like, what's the literal German interpretation for mayor? <laughs> Burgermeister. Copy, paste. Then they were like, let's do it forward and backwards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Burgermeister, Meisterburger. We love it. <laughs> All right, so my next fun fact is when Chris gets captured by the trees, for three frames, a man's arm and a flashbulb could be seen right when the flash occurs, before the Winter Warlock appears. <laughs> this was fixed on later broadcasts and DVD releases, obviously for good reason. <laughs> right, that's funny. All right, so my last fun fact over here is a more serious one. The movie is set in Germany. Mm-hmm. Metaphorically, the Burgermeister and his goons are Nazis, burning anything that they consider to be nonconformist. The depictions of other characters, including Chris, Jessica, the Little Kringles, and the children, are essentially Americans. Oh, we love some not-so-covert propaganda. Some historical <laughs> context. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Even though it was, what, 30 years after World War II finished? I mean, I, I'm down for it. Like, yeah, Nazis are bad. Yeah. Okay, so my final fun fact is that there were fewer commercials on network television when this special was made. But obviously, when shown recently on ABC or ABC Family, which is now known as Freeform, sometimes the special is edited in order to accommodate more commercials. So in the ABC version, the songs If You Sit On My Lap Today and My World Is Beginning Today are usually cut, while the freeform version usually cuts out scenes that may be traumatizing for younger viewers, most notably the scene where Burgermeister Meisterburger burns all the toys of Sombertown. Oh, that's so interesting. Because it's not even that scary. It's not that scary, but I guess back then it was kind of scary. I mean, if you take in the historical context of everybody yeah. obviously is terrified of Nazis and terrified of, you know, communism and stuff like their kids are terrified that somebody's going to come and take all their toys right but yeah it's just it's interesting that but they still play they still play your favorite religiously on free form and that's that's scarier to children than this i know you'd think so it's i just think it's funny that they cut out if you sit on my lap today my world is beginning today um for the adults because the adults are just bored right All right, so let's get into our review. So how much did we actually watch this as kids? Um, I watched this actually kind of a lot. Not as much as our second film for this double feature, but I watched this one a decent amount. There was actually a lot of it that I remembered from childhood. I don't think I've seen it in a while, probably like a good five years maybe. Okay. Maybe a bit longer, but yeah, there's there's a lot that I remember um, from childhood about it. So I, I watched it a decent amount. I'd say a decent amount that I could actually remember details from it without being prompted. Yeah. I mean, I think definitely my favorite Rankin-Bass Christmas special was Rudolph, mm, yeah. but I used to watch this a lot as well. It wasn't my favorite, but I used to I used to love this movie. And it's funny because I used to love Rudolph even more, but I think we quote this movie much more than we quoted Rudolph. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, Lex, so what do we remember about it from our childhoods before the rewatch that we did this week? I remember pretty much the whole gist of it. Um, I didn't remember any of the minor details, but I did remember the whole backstory. I remember him meeting Jessica, and I remember there being the Burgermeister because he's hilarious. (laughs) You watch him as a kid, and he's just so goofy and mad all the time. It was just, it's funny. But what about you? What did you remember? There's various little pieces that I remember. I... I wasn't remembering like the whole plot 
directly, but there are various yeah. pieces. I remember Burgermeister, Meister Burger playing with the yo-yo. That's a very <laughs> prominent scene to me. I love yo-yos. Yeah, the yo-yos. <laughs> I used to do all the tricks. Yeah, I remember that. And then I remember, strangely enough, the scene that always stands out to me the most is when the wizard, the the winter warlock wizard guy. Yeah. When he when his face melts and oh, he yeah. goes from being bad to good, I always remember that scene very clearly and the strange walk that he does when Chris Kringle is teaching him how to walk. Right. For some reason, I always remember that whole scene very clearly. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love how they slowed the music down for that part too. It was so cute. Yeah, it's super cute. But yeah, those are those are the two big things that I think I remember the most. <laughs> All right. So what was it like for us to rewatch this as adults? Ooh, okay. I took some notes. I did too. <laughs> yeah. My first thing is that the mailman is voiced by Fred Astaire, which, you know, iconic voice, Fred Astaire. Uh-huh. But I thought it was funny because I guess I never realized before because I was a child that the mailman even looks like Fred Astaire. <laughs> really? Like, I was like, he's got that long chin for no reason. <laughs> it might be uncultured, but I don't know who that is. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Your job after we finish recording is for you to go look up who Fred Astaire is because I don't have time to explain. I'm on my phone Googling. (laughs) I'm literally on my phone Googling right now. But yeah, he looks just like him. That is too funny. Yeah, I honestly completely forgot about him. <laughs> like, I com- I completely forgot about the mailman. The whole narrator, you just... Yeah, because he's he's only really in the beginning and the end, and he's the narrator throughout the whole thing. So, like, you don't see him throughout the entire movie until the end again. Right. And I just really forgot about him. And then when he came back, I was like, oh, okay, we're back. And then he started singing, singing, Santa Claus <laughs> is coming to town. And I was like, yes! <laughs> Sing it, mailman. He got, like, overly excited. Yes, he was dressed so nice for a mailman, too. Like, people who deliver packages and and mail service workers now do not dress like that at all. Like, this man had a full three-piece suit on. He looked so dapper. Yeah, his his little mailman uniform. I wish they would let male people have... Me too. Yeah, I wish they would let them have cool uniforms, but also I feel like that would get hot in the summer. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't in, in the middle of the snow, so I guess it kind of worked yeah. out for him, but... Made sense. So something that was super funny to me, obviously, we kind of talked in the fun facts about how certain characters are meant to be German and certain characters are meant to be American, but the soldier who's like mm-hmm. Burgermeister Meister Burger's right-hand man, his mustache was so funny to me. I could not <laughs> deal. I could not deal. I was laughing so hard every time he was on screen. And then I thought it was funny that everyone good in this movie was a redhead. <laughs> Like, every main character, except for the warlock. That is so true. All of them were redheads. And then I thought that was super funny, and I just kind of kept wondering, because anybody who knows me knows that I am naturally blonde, but I dye my hair red. And so I'm like, I wonder if Jessica influenced my desire on some level as a child to want to be a redhead. (laughs) (laughs) Like, her or Daphne, like a combination of the two of them, Daphne from Scooby-Doo, like, they both made me want to be a redhead. (laughs) The deceit. Man, you deceived me. (laughs) I thought you were red-haired this whole time. You literally known me since I was an infant. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. But no, like at the beginning, I'm just going to start from the beginning with my notes because it just starts off so funny. So the mailman goes by and then it fast forwards to the future when Burgermeister Meister Burger's right-hand man gets a uh, Mr. Mustache. Let's call him Mr. Mustache. (laughs) 
colonel mustache. It's a baby in the mail. And he's like, what is that? And he's like, a baby. And I was like, that's all? Like, <laughs> they're like, they like, oh, it's a baby. And then when he, when Mr. Mustache takes it out into the woods and the rope breaks, I was like, you had one job. job. All you job? had to do was take the baby away. And then he doesn't even like run after it or anything. Like he falls into the snow and that baby is just out on its own. He was just like, oh dear. I was like, wow, that is so wrong. Do you know what that reminded me of? That had the exact same energy as the scene in Emperor's New Groove where Kronk loses Cusco in like yes. the water and like he like loses him in the sack. <laughs> It had the exact same energy of like, oh no. Okay, but Kronk follows Cusco. That's true. He does follow him. And he even, like he even makes his own background music trying to follow Cusco too. So he he not only followed him, he also made background music. This guy just fell into a pile of snow and was like, oh, the baby's lost. Same. But um, can I just say how much I love the Kringles? Like I love how Chris ends up at their house and he's like, what is it, Bingle? It's a baby. It's a baby, Tingle. <laughs> oh, yes, Mingle. <laughs> and he says, it's a nose. It's a nose, Zingle. <laughs> and uh, there's a whole baby attached to it. I was like, oh, my gosh. These guys are so cute. They literally took every letter in the alphabet they and did. added Ingle to the end of it. <laughs> They're so they're so precious. They're so cute. And they're like, our baby's the best baby. But then the, the mom is Tanta. I'm like, you just met him. Is he the best baby? Is he the best baby? And I I will say I love how they contrast the songs. The it's a difficult responsibility. And then they um yeah. later on they come back and Burgermeister sings the same song, but in a negative context. Yeah. So I like how they flipped it. And we'll talk about that in Year Without a Santa Claus because they do it there too, which is really interesting. Yeah. I don't know if this is something that you noticed, but so something that I noticed in this that freaked me out a little bit, I normally don't get freaked out by claymation movies. I usually really love claymation as we've kind of seen with my various preferences, but okay, something that actually freaked me out with this movie- Give us the tea. Is when obviously Chris Kringle, after he grows up and he- sort of leaves the the Kringles and he goes to deliver toys to the town because he made this promise to Tanta Kringle that he would deliver toys to the town when he was big enough. Right. So he goes to deliver the toys and he meets Jessica in the town square and Jessica is like way out of his league. First of all, she is way out of his league. (laughs) And she's like, you bringing the toys here puts all of us in danger. It's so dangerous for you to bring toys. And he says, in danger for toys? But his eyes... His eyes literally get so big. The blue part, they, none of them have real pupils. They just have like blue circles in their eyes. Yeah. And the blue part gets so big and it was so strange and so creepy looking. Oh I couldn't gosh. deal that. He like turns into a doll almost. Like he looks like a baby doll. Like he it does. just, it was very creepy. Can I just say how much I thought he looked like Chris Pratt? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> during this. I was like, if Chris Pratt was more of a ginger, like, Oh this would be God. Chris Pratt in oh claymation form. Yeah, I just felt like the facial expressions in this one are much stranger and more awkward than the other one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I read something that they were trying out a new type of um, Japanese animation. So maybe that was it. But yeah, I got the same vibe from it. I was like, what is going on? Yeah, no, that's, that would make perfect sense. It was very, very confusing. It was very interesting. Very interesting. I feel like they perfected it or maybe they used a completely different yeah. animation style with Year Without a Santa Claus. But yeah, no, definitely. 
Oh my gosh. So another thing that, like you said, that happens to Chris when he first gets to Sombertown, not only does he meet Jessica, but before he meets Jessica, he's just walking through the town and everyone's commenting on his clothes because he's wearing his red Kringle suit. Yeah. And can I just say, I quote that old man like all the time. When he goes up and he goes, he goes, hi. And the old man goes, don't hi me. I was like, he just said hi. Why are you so offended just off of that? It's so funny to me. Or the la- the old lady who's like, you should be ashamed wearing an outfit like that. And I was like, that's me yes. at like everyone I see at the mall. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, don't you have any shame, you heathen? Yeah, literally. <laughs> the other part that kills me is the part where he goes, sir, you're breaking your own law. Then Burgermeister yeah. goes... I've been bamboozled. I yeah. say bamboozled way too much. Same. I, that's that's a good one. That's a, that's definitely one that I say, and I, that's one our family says a lot. Like when we're all together yes. in person, we are like, "I've been bamboozled." <laughs> but that's super funny that you said that scene because that this movie prompted a very brief love of yo-yos in my childhood. Really? It, it, I swear to you, it lasted like a few months after winter. I think it lasted maybe three or four months but I remember watching this and he was like you can do all these tricks with yo-yos and then I like had to learn how to do yo-yo tricks for like a few months oh my goodness that is so funny yeah and I was like obsessed with it like for like a few months and it was it was like I said it was a very brief love in my life a fleeting fad in my existence but I always think of this this scene and that's why I always remember the yo-yo scene because I'm like that prompted some weird hyper fixation on yo-yos I love that so much I also love in that scene kind of going back to what you said before about yeah. when the soldier lost the baby in the in the woods and he's just like falls in the <laughs> way snow. back in the beginning yeah well they chase yeah. him they chase chris kringle out of town after that scene and they chase him right to the tree line of the woods and they're like nah fam let's turn back that's so much work to go back in there after him they're like nah we're not like we'll never find him in there they do no effort can i just say the soldiers are the laziest yep <laughs> oh my gosh throughout this whole thing they are the laziest security guards i've ever seen in my life yep like not only is chris just trotting around in the middle of the night trying to deliver toys <laughs> at one point jessica sneaks up to the prison and there's not a guard in sight they don't do anything they're like i'm on my break <laughs> yes my break has lasted the last five years i've been on the force <laughs> yes and anytime anytime burgermeister is walking down the street or like strolling down the street in his uh in his wheelchair they're all marching in mm-hmm. front of him and they don't think to kick any toys out of the way or nope. do anything <laughs> like that just to get him to not step on one i was thinking to myself oh my gosh this is ridiculous it's so funny they're so funny like i'm not an evil overlord that bans toys but if i was all of their heads would be off right now <laughs> there's no respect in here oh my gosh Okay, so am I the only one who caught the uh, borderline pedophilia? Yes, because what are you talking about? Like, during the part where he does, if you sit on my lap today, that whole part just made me cringe because he's like a kiss a toy is the price you'll pay and okay. I was like, a kiss like they can't just ask you for a toy yes okay so that I was like yes Ooh. I didn't write that in my notes but it did make me like mildly uncomfortable but I'm also trying not to put like a gross adult spin yeah. on it because I know it's a child movie and like kids sit on Santa's lap all the time and it's not weird but that's what we're here for but that's what we're here for <laughs> it also I noticed um, and I didn't write it down, but I noticed that when he did that part, only the little girl gave him a kiss, but the little boy got to ask him. 
mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Very but, interesting. But um, yeah, no, I, I got the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't full-blown irking me. Like, it wasn't full-blown, this is going to make me throw up later. That was interesting. We just don't, we don't go around kissing strangers, even though they claim to be Santa, okay? Yeah. I had a lot of questions about that and Jessica just... So they're going around arresting all of Chris Kringle's various accomplices and then eventually Chris Kringle himself. Yes. And they go to arrest all of his accomplices, but they don't arrest Jessica at all. Yeah. And she's like his number two. Like she's enemy number two. And by the way, she only has one dress throughout the entire movie. She's one dress throughout the mm-hmm. whole thing. I was like, ooh, she dirty. Yeah, literally. She also has the <laughs> trippiest song of like the whole movie. She does. Her, her thing is like a 1970s fever dream. It's very strange. It's a it very is. weird out of place uh song which i can understand why abc would cut that because it just doesn't feel right it just it's trippy the animation style changes up completely it's just very strange yes i mean i will say that we like psychedelic animation we also love a cartoon inside a cartoon it's basically yeah. cart cartception so <laughs> it's a fun time it's a fun time but yeah i don't know it's just a very strange it feels out of place it just feels very out of place yeah it does definitely but yeah so when they're doing the arresting Something that just cracked me up was that when they go to arrest Chris Kringle, they literally... I know exactly what you're going to say. They literally... They're, they're like, we have you. And he's like, you can't arrest me. And then they show him his penguin in the window and they're like muzzling the penguin. Oh and he goes, gosh. what can I do? You have me. Just because they caught Topper. He's yes. just in the window struggling. They're like, oh we caught your gosh. bird. Now give up. No, the best part about that scene is that he goes down the chimney and they say, stop, you're under arrest. And he goes, not me, and tries to (laughs) climb back up the chimney like it wasn't him just trying to do it. Like, I was cracking up laughing. He said, it's not me. It was so good. And just the just the whole part where he asks Topper, how am I going to get the, the presents down the chimney now? Because all the doors were locked. He started off going to their doors and then all of them mm-hmm. were locked because of Burgermeister. Right. And Topper's like, let's go down the chimney. I was like, why? Why is that the second option? Why can't you start with windows? Like, why, why did yeah, you go he, from doors he, to chimney? He was just like, all right, I'm going in from the top. <laughs> Zero to 100 so quick, Chris. I just have to say, there was no justice for Burgermeister. Like, at the end, they they don't really explain what happens to him. They just say, oh, they kind of just died off. And I was like, what? Yeah. This man doesn't get any justice. He just dies off. And they, like, that's it. You don't see him. Yeah. And also, Ugh. it brings up like, the question of sort of, yeah. as Chris and all of them move to the North Pole to start their life and sort of figure out how they're going to make toys yeah. and stuff, I'm like, so... What happened in the interim, like while they're building the castle, while yes. they're building the toy shop, while they're all getting sort of settled? Was there just no Christmas for like 15, 20 years while they're getting all set up? I don't yes. understand. And where did they live? They all have one pair of clothes. Like they didn't bring anything <laughs> else with them. Where are they going to live and where are they going to eat? You're so obsessed with Jessica's I'm one so- dress. I'm so confused by the logistics, okay? The adult in me is screaming. So my last thing was just that at the very end, the mailman comes back and he's sort of like, there's still people who hate Christmas. And he shows, you know, 
some people were like blah humbug and then <laughs> and then they show this woman who works in retail and how she's like I wish Christmas was canceled yeah. and I'm like okay first of all that's not fair because if you have ever worked in retail or any yeah. customer facing job during the holidays you know that it's a nightmare it is mayhem any customer facing job that means food industry retail yeah. anything where you have to do customer service people are yeah. awful during Christmas time they are so rude and nasty and like it's the worst of humanity when you work in those industries yeah. during Christmas time. So I was like, that's not fair at all because I absolutely understand that how that woman feels about customers during Christmas time. Oh my time. gosh. I also like how they went from mentioning Ebenezer Scrooge and he's like, bah humbug, to a general person. Like they went from a fictional character to someone just trying yeah. to pay their bills at the end. I was cracking up laughing. Okay, Lex, is this something that we would have rewatched without the podcast prompting us? Definitely. I, I watch this every year, not going to lie. It's, so, it's cute. I love it. What about you? Yeah, this is definitely something I would have watched without the podcast prompting. Literally, I probably would have watched it this year because I just enjoy it. And I was just thinking the other day how it's something I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that it's something I would rewatch at any point. I just, for all my critiques of any of these, I, I really thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah. Do you think that it holds up as an adult or did you like it better as a child? I think it absolutely holds up. I think it is still just as funny. It's still just as charming. Obviously, there's some points now as an adult that I'm like, hmm, question mark. But I think <laughs> that's with any kind of, you know, children's movie. You kind of get older and you're like, Definitely. maybe that wouldn't fly now. Especially ones that were made a long time ago that yeah. have kind of questionable choices that did, I guess they didn't have to worry about if they were questionable at the time. So right, we can understand that. So that doesn't knock this movie at all. And it's not blatant either. It's more subtle. And yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I completely agree. I definitely like it as an adult as well. And I would definitely continue to watch this every year. Okay, so Santa Claus is Coming to Town got a 7.7 .7 out of 10 on IMDb, a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes critic meter, an 82% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, and 5 out of 5 stars on Common Sense Media. Yeah, that's pretty good. So how would you rate it on a scale from A plus to F minus? A plus being the best thing ever, you'd rewatch it 2,700 times and never get tired of it. Or F minus being it was garbage. For this one, I would give it a solid A. I want to give it a solid A, obviously, just because there's some things that I'm like, question mark, question mark. And I don't like the animation of it as much as I like our next one. But I think it's still really good and really enjoyable and definitely worth a watch if you've never seen it before. Yeah, I completely agree. I would give it an A as well, just because it's so quotable. We quote it all the time. Don't hire me. <laughs> just stuff like that, like little little things. And um, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's kid friendly. I like the songs. When you don't watch the edited version, it does kind of drag on a little bit. In my opinion, it's a little slow in certain parts, but I mean, it's still a good movie. It's still a fun time. So I would definitely give it a solid A. Awesome. All right, so let's move on. I'm excited for this next one. Yeah, so as we said, for the second part of this episode, we will be reviewing The Year Without a Santa Claus. Yeah, so The Year Without a Santa Claus is a 1974 Christmas stop-motion animated television special, yet again produced by Rankin Bass Productions. The story is based on a 1956 book of the same name, written by Phyllis McGinley. And the special was originally broadcasted on December 10th, 
1974 on ABC. So a great plot summary for this holiday classic, What's Found on IMDb, written by Blazer346. (laughs) (laughs) Blazer. Laser. He's like, I'm not signing out of my gamer tag for this one. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I just went straight to dodgeball. (laughs) Blazer. Laser. I love it. So Blazer346 writes, right around Christmas time, Santa Claus suddenly comes down with a cold and decides to cancel his annual flight delivering toys. And he seems to think that the world doesn't care about him or Christmas anymore. But that doesn't sit well with Mrs. Claus. Eager to prove him wrong, she and two quirky elves, Jingle and Jangle, set out to find some proof of the Christmas spirit. Yay! Let's get into some fun facts. Yeah. So both of the movies that we reviewed today were produced by Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass. Nearly all of the studio's animation was outsourced to at least five Japanese animation companies, which would probably explain the creepy animation in Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Yeah. Their production company actually shut down in 1987. And not only that, but they are responsible for creating some of the most iconic animated Christmas specials, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, and the movies, obviously, that we're reviewing today. But they also graced us with other childhood classics that we used to love growing up, like The King and I, Swan Princess, which was amazing, and our biggest trauma-inducing movie, The Last <laughs> Unicorn. I had no idea they were responsible for that, but now I am scarred. I, I am judging them. <laughs> they, like, gave us all these bangers, and then they snuck that one yes. in there. <laughs> They're just like, here's a little dose of uh, trauma for you. <laughs> just a healthy dose. So just the first fun fact about this movie is that based on the fashions and architecture of Southtown, people have always sort of tried to figure out when exactly does this movie take place. Yeah. And I thought that was super interesting because that's something that I've always tried to figure out, sort of what era does this movie take place in. So it turns out that based on all of those factors, this short probably takes place between 1890 and 1915, just judging by the various Victorian outfits and the Victorian architecture. That's so interesting. Yeah. All right. So the last fun fact that I have, uh, well, I should say the first and last fun fact that I have about this movie is that there was apparently a live action version of this. What? (laughs) And it was uh, made in 2006. And I was surprised when I saw the cast list. Apparently it starred the amazing John Goodman. What? (laughs) Ethan Suppley, who played Frankie Staccino on Boy Meets World, which we grew up watching. Chris Catton, who was on SNL. And Dylan Minnette, who appeared on 13 Reasons Why as Clay, which I used to watch religiously. I looked up some pictures of the movie, of the remake, and I was like, why? <laughs> what? When was this made? When was this made? 2006. What? No! <laughs> yes. And you would die if you saw some of these pictures. In one of them, I saw a wrestling ring where oh I assume my. the Miser Brothers g- go at it and brawl. No. It just, it looks so... It looks so poorly made. So I looked up some ratings and it got a 3.8 out of 10 on IMDb and a 2 out of 5 on Common Sense Media. So Oh my god. It did not go over well. That's literally insane. I had never even heard that there was a live Me action either. of this and now I know why because it flopped. Oh And my I god. am so curious. I might have to look it up. I might have to look it up after this and watch it just just to get some some laughs in. Please do and send me the notes that you have about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so my final little fact about this is more of a conspiracy theory. We have a little Christmas conspiracy theory about Santa Claus is coming to town and the year without a Santa Claus. Yes. So the Christmas conspiracy theory is that this is the second Rankin-Bass Christmas special where Mickey Rooney voices Santa Claus. Okay. The first, obviously, being Santa Claus is coming to town. Ding, ding, ding. So... Firstly, he voices Santa Claus in both movies. Mm-hmm. That could either just be they liked his voice and they thought he was great for Santa Claus, one or, and for both, or it could be because Santa Claus is the same from both movies and The Year Without a Santa Claus is a continuation of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Dun, dun, dun. More evidence to this is that Jessica, or Mrs. Claus, has red hair in Santa Claus is Coming to Town, while the much older Mrs. Claus in The Year Without a Santa Claus has red highlights in her gray hair. Again, another indicator that she's the same person. The most compelling piece of evidence is that the painting hanging in Santa Claus' bedroom in The Year Without a Santa Claus is the same one that is put up in the town hall at the end of Santa Claus's Coming to Town. Ooh. Yeah. Wait a second. A lot of factors that kind of lead you to believe that this is just a continuation of the first one. I I think it is. I think it is, too. It has to be. They have their own little Santa Claus universe, like Marvel. <laughs> the Santa Cinematic Universe? Yes. The SCU? <laughs> yes. I mean, if you think about it, Rudolph made an appearance in... And Santa Claus is coming to town, so who's to say this isn't its own little universe? Oh my god. <laughs> That's so funny. I love that so much. I we love just, it. We just blew some people's minds. I can't Santa Claus Santa Claus cinematic universe confirmed. <laughs> dun dun dun. Alright, Lex, how much did we actually watch this as kids? I'm not going to lie. I have not seen this film in its entirety until now. Like, it was one of those movies that plays on Freeform, which was formerly ABC Family when I was younger. And it played on it every year. And I used to always stop in and watch some of it, but I never used to sit down and actually watch it. So I knew the Heat Miser and his brother... And that's about all I do. Oh, my gosh. So we're kind of opposites because yeah. I haven't seen Santa Claus is Coming to Town in a few years. And then you watch mm-hmm. it every year. And then this is one where I watch it every single year. I watch Aww, snap. The Year Without a Santa Claus at least once or twice every year. And it's something that I literally just adore. Yeah. And I think the reason why I haven't seen it in its entirety either is because I always buy those DVDs that have gotcha. the multiple movies on them. I know I still buy DVDs. Don't judge me. <laughs> what are you going to do when your Wi-Fi goes out? Plug in the DVD player. Anyways, so <laughs> I, um, I I have the DVD set that has Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Frosty mm-hmm. the Snowman, Rudolph. It all comes in one package. This was never on any of those DVDs for some reason. <gasps> whenever I buy, That's wild. Yeah, whenever I buy any of the Christmas classics, it's always the Grinch, Rudolph, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and Frosty. And that's about it. That's insane to me, because this is like... If this had been on a DVD, I probably would watch this every year. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's crazy to me. All right, well, sort of jumping off of that, what did you remember from your childhood? You sort of said Heat Miser and Snow Miser? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And then I just remember Santa wanting a break, and then that was... (laughs) pretty much it but I just don't remember what happened what about you I know you said you watch this every year so I literally watch it every year um 
the scene that I think stuck out the most to me from being a kid was the Snow Miser scene. For some reason, Snow Miser's song always really stuck out to me. Yes. And then Heat Miser's a little bit, but I could never remember, even though their songs are very simple, I could never remember Heat Miser's song as much as I could remember Snow Miser's song. But I was obsessed with Snow Miser. I thought he was like the best character. And I remember that scene very well. And I remembered um, the scene of when they take Vixen to the pound because they think that she's a stray dog because I always got really sad yeah oh my gosh do you think uh snow miser looks like the mailman from Santa Claus is coming to town no I don't think that at all what do you think that (laughs) (laughs) I just think the over exaggerated features with the the chin and the nose he I think the long skinny face he kind of does look like him a little bit maybe I'm just crazy I don't know I think the animations are very similar where they just sort of take one feature like a caricature they just sort of take one feature and they elongate <sighs> it or make it bigger to, to sort of emphasize it you could just say I'm crazy you don't have to justify I, it I mean fine. I'm not going to say that in front of everybody else <laughs> but I'll definitely say it to you after we stop recording I just, I just proved it it's fine so what was it like to rewatch this as adults I mean, I watch it every year, so obviously I love it. Yeah. It's always super, super wonderful to get back into it. This is one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies. I mean, if we've learned anything about me, I freaking love claymation movies for some odd reason. Yeah, I just really enjoy them. And I don't know what it is about them. They they get you in such a yes. big Christmas spirit. I don't know why. I think just because they're so retro and they're so nostalgic and they kind of remind you of, I mean, obviously of being a child, yeah. but just in general, it's like, oh, this is such a simple time when yeah. kids would get like, you know, rocking horses and Noah's Ark for Christmas instead of the new iPad yeah so it just takes you back to that kind of time period yeah and like we were talking about with the nightmare before Christmas how Christmas town is so rounded and pretty and all the lights yeah. are everywhere and stuff I think just the fact that everything is rounded and clean and and yeah cute and it just it makes you feel happy inside it it yeah melts your cold dead heart and it it makes you feel Christmassy Exactly. But it also helps that every single song in this movie slaps. Every (laughs) single song in this movie is a straight bop. Like these movies, they always felt longer to me than I think they actually are just because there's so many songs in them. Yeah. But every single one is so good. I could listen to every single one on repeat. Yes. But I I love movies like this because it cracks me up how much they... They'll just be talking, and then all of a sudden, someone will just break out in song. Like when the little boy asks Santa, Do you believe in Santa? And he goes, I believe in Santa Claus. Like he just starts going off. <laughs> was I the only one who, at the beginning, when Santa was like, I'm sick? I was thinking to myself, oh, Santa's got COVID. He's got COVID. I That's a recurring theme throughout this movie is that every time Santa is sick, I just kept thinking this is so bizarre to watch during the time of COVID because yes. Santa sneezes. Like, obviously, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but there's a scene where Santa yeah. is down in Southtown um, and he he's down there and he is standing outside of this little boy's house talking to him. First of all, stranger danger. Second of all, he sneezes super yeah. loud and the mom is like, bring him in inside and I was like what if that was me I'd be like wear a mask sir six feet you breathing on me and stuff I don't think so yes it's just weird to like watch it in the time of COVID because my immediate instinct is like oh my god keep him away but everybody run yeah but back then they're like oh you know bring him inside we'll make him some tea yes oh my gosh why was the doctor so mad in the beginning (laughs) 
Why are you so angry, sir? I love him. <laughs> First, we have the doctor in Santa Claus is Coming to Town who is so incompetent. He thinks a fever is going to be... Yes. He thinks, he thinks yes. Burgermeister is going to get a fever after falling down. And then this time, we just have... A, we have, like, the Grinch as, as the doctor. <laughs> He, he tells, He's like, stay home. Yes. I don't know why you care about Christmas. No one cares about you. Stay in oh bed. And I was like, sir. He tells Santa on his way out sarcastically, oh, yeah, and Merry Christmas. I was like, you just broke this man's heart, and you just yeah. slapped him in the face on the way out. You kicked him while he was down. He is so petty. Literally. He is so petty. But, like, obviously jumping off of that because Santa sort of gets very depressed yeah. about that, and Mrs. Claus is as we know now is probably Jessica yeah. is like, Oh, I'm going to figure out, you know what people actually think about Christmas. And I'm sure there's good cheer in the world. And she sends the elves jingle and jangle who are also freaking hilarious yeah. down to Southtown USA to find some Christmas cheer. And Santa's like, where are my elves? Where's my reindeer? And she's the worst liar in the world. Oh Her my plans gosh. are not thought out. I feel, freaking love it she didn't think anything out she's like oh nothing's wrong and she's like very clearly up to something and then she like opens the window and she's like poor jingle poor jangle and he's like what are you talking about he's like, like what are you talking about woman and i'm like you can't keep a secret worth crap lady i love you can i just tell you how i think she's a part of a twisted snapped episode stop. like i'm pretty sure she poisoned santa i need to stop watching these shows because she she tries on his outfit i was like this is identity theft she poisoned him we're dealing with a new snapped victim santa She's a toy digger. Stop! And I'm pretty sure she poisoned him. And then at one point, she's like, oh, this isn't working out. We need to go to plan B. And I was like, what is plan B? Murder? Like, what's plan B? I was like, are you okay? Oh, my God. Mrs. Claus is on Wives with Knives. (laughs) She is. She is. She was like, oh, Santa's down and out. I guess I got to step in. <laughs> she like Munchausen by proxies him. <laughs> she steps she is. in. She does. Someone help my husband so I can steal his identity. Oh, my God. I love it so much. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, I agree. Santa does need a holiday. But why can't he take New Year's or Easter? Yeah, dude. <laughs> Like, you took your holiday off. But also, he's out of commission over a cold. He's out of commission over a cold. (laughs) Men. Men. (laughs) But yeah, so obviously the elves Jingle and Jangle go down to Southtown, USA to try to find... By the way, how did they get there so quickly? They rode Vixen. Okay, but they're in the North Pole, and the first place they end up is Southtown. Ma'am, it's a cartoon. (laughs) Ma'am, it's a cartoon. There's no laws of time travel here. (laughs) There's no logic. How did how did Chris Kringle and all of them get to the North Pole in like two minutes? <laughs> they walked. <Yeah. laughs> so magic. So yeah. So they get down there, and I thought it was so funny. So they the first thing that happens is they're walking down Main Street in Southtown, riding Vixen, who's a baby and should not be carrying both of their the weight. Poor baby. And they get down there, and it's super hot, and they get pulled over by a police officer on a bicycle. <laughs> And the police officer is, like, writing them a ticket for riding Vixen in public and then crossing the white line. And then he says, and for wearing funny-looking suits on a Sunday. 
like, oh my gosh it just reminds me of all those weird bizarre laws that happen in the south where it's yes. like can't impersonate a priest or else you get like a ticket like it's just these weird random laws it might have just been me but i kind of got some sexual innuendo when he was like you can't ride a vixen in public and i was like whoa oh. whoa sir <laughs> sir whoa. sir you want to rethink just... that you want to rethink first that? of all this started as snapped and now <laughs> it's girls gone wild but, uh, <laughs> well, I should say elves gone wild. Elves gone wild. But um, can I just say Jingle and Jangle are the worst characters in this whole movie. They don't, <laughs> they don't do a single thing but get Vixen taken by the dog catcher and yeah. mess everything up. Literally, Mrs. Claus came up with the plan. She has to come save them. And then she she's the one that takes them to Heat Miser, Snow Miser, then Mother Nature, and then takes them home. I was like, what is the purpose of Jingle and Jangle at this point? They're comedic relief. Are they? <laughs> I think that they're funny. But one thing that made me really laugh that I had never noticed before. Did you notice that while they were in Southtown, Jangle's shirt was open into such a deep V <laughs> for no reason? I was like, what is he doing? Why is it like that? Why does he have it unbuttoned, like, practically to his belly button? I don't understand. I was like, this is a children's movie. <laughs> yes, you take an elf out of the North Pole, and they just don't know how to act, apparently. And then not long after that, I kind of mentioned that Santa meets this boy outside of his home. The boy's name is Ignatius, which is, like, I'm so sorry for your life. Yeah. Um, and so they meet him, Ignatius, and his mom is like, bring him inside. Horrible and choice. So they bring Santa in, because Santa's like, why are my elves down here? Why is my reindeer down here? I have to fix everything. And so they bring him in, and... Santa's like, oh, do you believe in Santa Claus? Is there any Christmas cheer? Because Santa's like still trying to find like a reason to live now. <laughs> and he's sitting with Ignatius and his family. And they're all like, Ignatius, do you believe in Santa Claus? And Ignatius is like, that's kids stuff. And it's like, okay, you're like seven. Calm down. And his whole family and Santa just start like scream singing at him. Believe in Santa Claus. And yes. I was like, if I were Ignatius, I would be terrified. The mom doesn't even sing. She just stares at him. Yeah, she just stares at him with like her weird like animated eyes and just yeah. stares at him the whole time. Like, are you listening as they scream sing at oh you? Oh my gosh. I'm seriously thinking that the women in this film are all serial killers because <laughs> like you mentioned before, Santa and Ignatius were outside and Santa sneezed. The mom pokes her head out of the window within a split second and is like, Ignatius, is that you? Like, are, you are you sick, my dear? She's like waiting for it. Oh my gosh. The second he makes a noise, Ignatius. I was like, oh my gosh. Calm down, helicopter okay? parent. And also, what do they do? Like, why are they both home? And at yeah. the same time. Don't you have jobs? Yes. And then they just sit at the at the kitchen table and they all sing. And then after they're done singing, they're like, okay, Ignatius, go to the mayor by yourself and deal with you, this. Get a your child friends taken under care 10. of. <laughs> we're going to stay here because we're incompetent. <laughs> literally. Literally. And obviously he goes to the mayor and the mayor sings one of the most iconic songs of the whole movie, which is, yeah. it's gonna snow, snow, snow. And it's like, um, oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a, I mean, it's a beautiful song. Or I should say it's a, it's a very entertaining song because the mayor gets all yeah, craziness. But I just feel like half of this plot. So 
the reason he goes there is to convince the mayor to let the reindeer out of the pound. And meanwhile, Santa goes and he goes to the pound, pays to get Vixen out of the pound and then leaves with her and doesn't tell anyone, doesn't tell anyone, doesn't say to Ignatius, hey, it's no big deal. Like, I'm just going to go to the pound and get the reindeer. Doesn't say that. So Ignatius goes to the mayor and Jingle and Jangle are already there asking, like, can you get our reindeer out of the pound? And the mayor's like, no, like, what the heck? And so they all end up there. And so the mayor's like, I'm not going to let the reindeer out of the pound unless you make it. Or I'm not going to believe in Santa either unless you make it snow down here in Southtown where it never snows. Yeah. And I'm just like, this whole entire arc of the plot, like the the Miser Brothers, like this whole half right. of the plot would not have been there if they had about five minutes of communication in this yes. movie. <laughs> exactly. And I thought it was hilarious how the dog catcher caught the first hooved dog ever. <laughs> what what dog do you know has hooves? What kind of dog catcher are you? He was like, huh, <laughs> it's got hooves and like a very clear deer jawline. Very strange. Yes. <laughs> and I also like how Santa Claus is not subtle at all during this. Like he doesn't care. He literally puts Vixen on top of the, the reindeer that he brought and he... He just flies off with them in the in front of everyone. Yeah. Like, he's just begging for attention at this point. Santa's He's like, just like, please give me a reason to go someone on. Someone love me or I'm going to throw myself off this reindeer. Literally. <laughs> and then, of course, after this, you know, Mrs. Claus has to come and save Jingle and Jangle and Ignatius. And they have to make it snow in Southtown yeah. because, again, no one has spoken to each other and told them it's fine. We're good now. And Jingle and Jangle are incompetent. Right. And so, so she's still determined to make people believe in Santa and bring back Christmas cheer and all that. So they go to the Miser Brothers. The Miser Brothers are the greatest part of this entire movie. They, they are. are the best part. I, I, I agree. They're so good. They're so good. Every single one of their songs is catchy. They're hilarious. I maintain that Snow Miser is the best character in this whole movie, and that's not a, that's not a question, and it's not up for debate. Like he, it's a fact. He's genuinely the coolest. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but um, just but yeah. Once again, we love the most dramatic character of the whole thing. He is easily do. the most dramatic. I mean. Heat Miser gives him a run for his money, but I really firmly believe that Snow Miser is the most dramatic. He is dramatic, but he's also the one who is the most level-headed. Yeah. Heat Miser is just an a-hole. Yeah. Like he, he makes no sense. He told uh, Snow Miser, I'll let it snow in Southtown if you give me the North Pole. The whole North Pole. Like, the whole thing. What? <laughs> Like forever, sir. That is not a good compromise at all. Where did you learn to negotiate? He was just like, I want the whole thing. But yeah, Snow Miser was so cool. My favorite was when he said, um, he's got a bad cold. That's a shame. He should have come to see me. I'd have given him a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. It is so funny. And it's not even that his personality is super dramatic. He's just really extra. Like yeah. everything he does is super extra, which I enjoy thoroughly. One thing I did notice though was Snow Miser said that Heat Miser's his stepbrother, which makes sense because, I mean, they're complete opposites. But at the right. same time, I was like, they need a backstory movie for themselves because I want to know how this family dynamic even came to be. Like, I don't understand. I want to know who the dads are. I want to know. Yeah. I would like to, I would like to learn. But yeah, I didn't really understand. So obviously, Snow Miser wants to let it snow in Southtown. Heat Miser wants to let a warm day in the North Pole. They can't come to an agreement because both of them are stubborn. So they go to Mother Nature, who's their mom, and basically make her intervene. But I 
didn't understand how the agreement came out to one warm day in the North Pole when they literally stated 10 minutes earlier that Vixen got sick from it being a warm day. Yeah. So wouldn't a warm day make all the reindeer sick? Not if they have air conditioning. (laughs) In whatever, 1890. (laughs) (laughs) They'll be fine. They'll be fine. I'm dead. Meanwhile, the whole North Pole is just going to melt and it's going to be, that's the beginning of global warming, to be honest, people. <laughs> Heat misers started global warming. Another conspiracy theory. <laughs> Pass it on. <laughs> Another conspiracy theory. So uh, jot that down. But um, is this something that we would have rewatched without the podcast to prompt us? Oh, absolutely. Like I said, I rewatch this at least once or twice a year. Um, I always yeah. rewatch this. I love this movie so much. I think about the songs all the time. So, yeah, absolutely. What about yeah. you? I mean, I guess because I didn't grow up watching it like you did, I it's not one of my favorites. I mean, I really did like it, um, and I thought it was really cute, but it's still not one that I would put on every year if that makes sense like if it was on tv i would watch it but i probably wouldn't go out of my way to watch it so the podcast definitely encouraged me to watch it before i probably would have well welcome to the club now (laughs) thank you it was good and it was a very the word i would use to describe it is cute so it was a very cute movie yeah it's cute it's just super cute doesn't make a lot of sense but it's very cute it doesn't make a lot of sense and we have questions but i love it (laughs) yes all right, Lex, does it actually hold up as an adult, or were the rose-colored kid glasses a lot better? I think it does hold up as, as an adult, and I think, honestly, my favorite part at the end where Santa's just riding his reindeer um, through yeah. the streets and they're singing. Here comes Santa Claus. It's so Christmassy, and it's it's so awesome. I love it. So um, I think it... It's so cute. Yeah, I mean, I watched it growing up barely, so I really <laughs> liked Heat Miser and Snow Miser before I watched the rest of it. Right. But um, I think I think actually seeing the movie, I gained a lot more respect for them, and I liked them a lot more. So yeah, and I'm Team Snow Miser. <laughs> That's pretty much it. What about you? Do you think you like it better as an adult, or did you like it better with the rose-colored kid glasses? I'm gonna say I like it equal amounts. Um, I don't like it better or worse as an adult. I just it's still the same exact nostalgic movie for me. So yeah, I still like it equally as much. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. I like that. All right. So The Year Without a Santa Claus got a 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb. On Rotten Tomatoes Critic Meter, it got a 90% and it got an 83% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes and three out of five stars on Common Sense Media. That's interesting because it got higher on IMDb and audience score than Santa Claus is Coming to Town, but lower on the critic meter and lower on Common Sense Media. Yeah. All right, Lex, if we're going to rate it on a scale of A plus to F minus, of course, A plus being the best thing ever and F minus being it was garbage, what would you rate it? I think I'm going to give this one an A as well, just like I did for um, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Just because it's very cute, very kid friendly. Um, I can tell that there's a lot of nostalgia behind it. I love the heat miser and snow misers dynamic. The whole storyline of everyone not caring and then the kids showing up for Santa at the end to show them that they care and they love him. It's just very heartwarming and very cute. So I would definitely give it an A. What about you? This one's difficult because... 
I want to give it somewhere between an A and an A plus because yeah. I feel like A plus is reserved for like top tier, like have to have to watch it. Yeah, it's an A and a half. Yeah, it's like an A and a half, <laughs> um, an A point five. Yeah, it's it's right between the two. It's one of my absolute favorites of all time. But obviously, I understand that there are parts of it where you're like, hmm, question mark, question mark, or like, hmm, that's kind of weird. Yeah. So I totally get that, and I get how the storyline doesn't totally makes sense and how there's some plot holes in it but yeah it's so good it's so cute I just love it yeah and it's just a fun time like it's one of those movies that even if the plot has holes in it it's it doesn't make a huge difference because it's made to be for kids and it's supposed to be just yeah cute heartfelt and it's not supposed to be too story heavy yeah you're just having so much fun watching it you don't notice exactly so we will continue to have double features for the remainder of this year's Christmas countdown with next week's movies being more nostalgic ones for us which are Annabelle's Wish and Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Those are so crazy. I have genuinely not seen those since I was a child so I'm really excited to rewatch them. (laughs) Me either. I can't wait and we were trying to think of movies that weren't too well known or that weren't on any huge Christmas countdowns. Yeah. Like Home Alone or Elf or any of those. So we're strictly nostalgic over here, but I'm so excited. I can't wait to watch it. Me too. Either of them. All right. Well, if you'd like to see our full Christmas countdown calendar, we have the calendar posted on social media. So be sure to follow us on Instagram at Chasing Childhood Podcast and on Facebook at Just Chasing Childhood. We also post new episodes every Wednesday, so be sure to stay tuned. Tis the season, everybody. Thanks for joining. Yes. Bye, everyone.